Amen. Thank you, Natalie. Well, good morning again. I was uh, thinking a little bit about the church that I grew up in. Uh, in, in fact, as a family, we, we jumped around uh, quite a bit for a while, and then we ended up in this uh, Presbyterian church, and I don't remember much uh, about the church. I mainly remember that I was bored out of my skull most times. I didn't want to go. I didn't like it. Uh, now, I was a snot-nosed kid, so yeah, it might have been a really awesome church. I don't know. But all I remember is it just didn't seem relevant to my life. It seemed rather dry and dusty. And um, part of the reason why I saw it as dry and dusty is because of my mom. Now my mom, she was engaged in the church and she kept trying to get us kids to be more and more engaged in the church. But the problem was, is her life and faith was so vibrant that it made the rest of the church dull. That, that's what I remember. That's what I remember. The, the, the way that she talked about this, this personal relationship with Christ, it, it, was, it was exciting and engaging and it made you want it. The, the way that she prayed, you could, you could feel this, this energy and this real belief and, and some of the spiritual wisdom that she would share with us. It was like, wow. And then we'd go to the church and I was bored. So her light seemed to, to shine so brightly and yet there was a, this, this dullness there. It's like the, and again, Please take it with a grain of salt. I, I was very young and I, you know, I was, I was distracted and I wasn't interested. So really the church could have been way better than I remember. It was just my experience. But it seemed like there was something lacking. There was something missing. There, that the, there wasn't this vibrancy. Maybe some of you that was your church experience growing up. There was this, they, they weren't quite all the way there. Uh, Kendra, my wife, has a, a client, one of them, and, and he has dementia, uh, but he is a Christian, and he was referencing some other folks to Kendra, and he said, you know, they're, they're, they're 50% Christian. <laughs> now, we know technically you can't be 50% Christian, but we know what he means, right? They're, I was thinking of a dimmer switch, right? <laughs> right, if, if, my, my, if my mom was, let's give her a 90 on that dimmer switch, right? The church that I grew up in, it felt like it was about maybe 50, like halfway there, but not fully. I wonder... If I were to ask you, if you were to kind of gauge your own life in Christ and your own vibrancy, what would you put yourself on that dimmer switch? I'm not going to tell you what I think about you. <laughs> and I'm not going to ask you what you think about me. But would you just personally, and don't elbow your spouse if you have one here, just you personally, 
Where would you be on that? You know, it's interesting. We are in John chapter 3. If you've brought your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 3? And John, he does so many things, so brilliant. And we get to meet some really interesting people. And this morning, we are going to meet a a ruler of the Jewish council. He was a, a Pharisee or a Sadducee, Nicodemus. And he's intrigued. This is early in Jesus' ministry. Most of the religious leaders in Jesus' day were going to reject him. But Nicodemus, he's he's intrigued. He's he's interested. And we're going to hear this interaction between him and Jesus. And he's not going to get it. Jesus is, in fact, he's, he's going to call him dull. I mean... I'm paraphrasing here, but he's going to be like, come on, dude, you need to get this, right? And I, and I think that's what's neat about John is he introduces us to these real people with real questions, with real issues. Jesus speaks into that, and as we listen, as, as Natalie prayed, as we pay attention to the word, what the Spirit wants to do is teach us, disciple us through these people like Nicodemus. And I'm going to say that it can be uh, somewhat confusing, especially if this is the first time you've read this story, but we're going to pray for wisdom, spiritual wisdom. And I, I would say there's about three implications of what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. And as we wrestle and understand and and start to seek to live these three implications, I think the dimmer switch will go up just a little bit in our life and faith. So Lord, I just want to pray one more time. Would you give us insight? As many of us will be able to relate to Nicodemus In some parts of the faith, just saying, we don't get it. Would you help us? We pray for your spiritual insight, Holy Spirit. Would you teach us? Would you disciple us in your word? In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we are in John chapter 3. We're going to read half of the story, starting at verse 1. And go all the way through uh, verse 21. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He had clout and authority and a measure of understanding. He came to Jesus at night. Interesting, it could be because he doesn't want to be associated with Jesus just yet because so many of the, his fellow religious leaders were rejecting Jesus or were starting to. But also, oftentimes in John, there's a double meaning. And John is going to use light and darkness in this chapter. If it helps, if it doesn't help, you don't have to do it. But if, you, if it helps to think of night as that dimmer switch, and, and Nicodemus, he's, he's trying to get it, but he's still, it's still night for him. There's still a measure of a lack of light. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one who could perform the signs, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. 
So, so Nicodemus is getting it. He's, he's intrigued. He, he at least comes to Jesus himself. And he asks these questions. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Well, how can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. For see the kingdom, now enter the kingdom of God, unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. Come on, man! All right, he doesn't say that. (laughs) But he does say, "You, you are Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. Testimony is interesting dynamic in John. Testimony matters to John. Jesus is talking about his testimony, verse 13. Verse 12, I have spoken to you of earthly things. He's speaking about earthly things right now. And you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? I'm wanting to disciple you, Nicodemus, Jesus is saying. But you're missing the basics, the foundation. Really, you could say he's missing what salvation is. No one has gone ever into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Such an important verse, verse 13. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now perhaps the most famous scripture in all the world, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel sentence. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Him, whoever believes in him, is not condemned. Condemned is also another important word. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but the people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. People of God, this is the word of God. So many important themes that are happening here. Light and darkness, flesh and spirit. This idea of being born again. This idea of what a light that has come into the darkness of a world condemned that is shining brightly. The idea of eternal life and seeing the kingdom and entering the kingdom of God. So let's unpack this just a bit together and say, God, what is it that you have for us? I want to start with this a little bit, this idea, this phrase of stands condemned, which is an interesting phrase, which I think is somewhat foreign to us. I don't think we see much of ourselves and the world as standing condemned. What does What does Jesus mean by that? In fact, maybe Nicodemus would have understood that phrase a little bit more than we. So so probably Nicodemus would have been going back. He would have known the story of creation and Adam and Eve. And that God created them in love, in beauty, in kindness. He created them to interact and walk in the garden with them, but he also created them with free will. Most of us know the story. And the one tree, the one fruit that they could not eat in free will, they bit the apple. And there was a great fall. We actually, uh, in the opening verses of Our service today, Pastor Jedediah, led us in that, you hear the curse, right? That this curse happened and all of creation fell from God's good and beautiful plan, including the crown of creation, his people. And that there was a, that we stood separated from him or going back to the language of John in darkness. There was a darkness of the world, a brokenness in the world, and there was a brokenness in us. With me so far? All right. Now, he says, Nicodemus was aware, most likely, of this brokenness. And Nicodemus believed he knew the resolution, how to bring healing. Because he was a first century Jew, and he was a Jewish teacher, he knew his scripture. And he knew that if if people followed the law well enough to the letter of the law, that it would bring a move of God and they would throw off this Roman rule and, and God would establish his kingdom. So he's waiting for this kingdom of the old days. Probably he had thoughts of King David when he ruled and Israel was this awesome nation. And he was saying, boy, if the people would just follow the law, he would break this political power, this military power, and establish the kingdom of God. And then you've got this Jewish teacher that says, Starts talking about to see the kingdom and enter the kingdom. And essentially what Jesus is saying to him is this that stand condemned, that this corruption 
is much deeper than Nicodemus thought. It's much deeper than you and I often think. This brings us to the funky-looking man. Who is this? I was going to say, is it, is it supposed to be me? I don't know if that's what Nora did or not. But we can call it me. But he's, Someone that ate a bagel. Okay, thank you. So if this is me, actually we're going to call it Mikey. We're gonna, my, if this is Mikey here, all right, and this is our soul. I believe that there's five parts of the soul. We'll talk about that. Could, do our camera, Rachel, is that good enough? Do we have it in there? So you've got a conscience, a heart, a mind, and a will. Are we able to put those on the screen so everybody can see? Yeah, can we put that on there? And within is a spirit. We have a little spirit. But because of the fall of Adam and Eve, we're born this way. That's a picture of you and I, how we're born. And we don't need a new foreign government to be established. And in fact, we can't follow God's law well enough to undo this. We need a move of the Spirit of God to bring new life. With me? Can you guys see this or do I need to walk over? Can we, can we not see it? Can we not get it on the screens? Is that not a possibility? All right. Well, then I'm going to have to show Mikey to everybody. <laughs> so you see that? And there's a darkness in that. And we're born. We're born like that. And you could also say it this way. So if Mikey was born this way, was he in the kingdom or out of the kingdom? He was out of the kingdom. He was standing outside of God's grace. He was standing condemned. And Jesus says, listen, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, if you want to see the kingdom you have to be born again. Now again, Nicodemus is thinking about something physical. He's thinking about a physical kingdom and a physical reality. And Jesus, of course, is talking about a spiritual reality. And in fact, he's talking about salvation. To be born again equates to salvation. He's also saying that the kingdom of God to enter the kingdom is salvation. If you want to do that, you have to be born again. Let's take a, a moment to read, just to, just to be clear. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, this is verse 5, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Okay, hold on, water and the Spirit. And now he's going to unpack what water and the Spirit is. Flesh... There's that Greek word sarks again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But spirit 
gives birth to spirit. What he's saying is this, is that flesh, you were born when your mama, maybe that's why I was thinking about the vibrancy of my mom's faith. I was born, flesh gave birth to flesh. Mikey, flesh gave birth to flesh. But both of us, all of us, were born with a darkness of soul, with a darkness of spirit. And what happens when you're born again or what happens when the Spirit of God enters in, oh yeah, that looks a lot more like Mikey than me, I would say, that our spirit is brought to life by the Spirit of God. That his spirit enters in. This is what it means to be saved. This is what it means to be born again. Is that his spirit enters our spirit and our soul. And new life is brought there. And coincidentally, we are born again. And we enter the kingdom of God. This first picture, we're out of the kingdom and we are not saved and we stand condemned. This picture, the Spirit of God enters our soul, brings new life. We are born again. Spirit gives birth to spirit and we enter the kingdom. Now what's interesting about the Gospel of John is that this is the last place he's going to use the phrase the kingdom of God. It's not until the very end. Then why did I choose? I love the kingdom so much. Why did I choose this? I wouldn't have chosen it. I would have chosen another gospel to really talk about that. And yet I felt like the Spirit was saying, I want you to choose this because what John does is he takes the idea of the kingdom of God and it becomes eternal life. And I think he has much to teach us about this phrase that we use all the time in our church, but that the equivalent is eternal life. And in eternal life, he's talking about a quality of life, a kind of life, a different, a categorically different kind of life that we enter into, that Jesus is beckoning Nicodemus to experience. He's saying this is salvation. And if you want to walk in the kingdom of God, if you want to enter and see and experience the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, wait, what? I I thought the kingdom of God was when we finally get to throw off Rome. And he says, no. It's a life that can be lived no matter where you are and no matter who you are. Probably Nicodemus was thinking ethnicity and and to be Jewish and the people of God. And Jesus is saying, no, it's not physical at all. It's not about skin color. 
It's not about where you live. It's not about rich or poor. It doesn't even matter what you have done or how closely you are following the law of of God. It is about the Spirit of God in your life. That's what it is. That's what it is. Now, we're going to come back to Nicodemus at the very end. There's a reference to him in the middle of the book where he tries to slightly defend Jesus and he gets knocked down and and then Jesus is going to die, and Joseph's, Joseph of Arimathea is going to bring and get the body down from Jesus. You know who helps him? Nicodemus helps him. And so Nicodemus is going to get his, his light switch a little bit increased by the end. In fact, it's implied that he becomes a believer and to great risk cares for the body of Jesus Christ. But here are some of the implications that I believe that Jesus wants us to get from this understanding of salvation and entering the kingdom of God. That he wants us to move and increase and shine our light. That he's inviting us. In fact, I've known almost my entire life that he's inviting me to a vibrancy of life like my mom. That I really didn't want my understanding of the Presbyterian church. I didn't want to be dull. That that wasn't appealing to me. But the vibrancy that was there, the the passion in which she lived, that's what I longed for and that's what I believe he was offering to Nicodemus at this moment and offers to you and I this morning. The first thing is that as we understand this and begin to live it, I I, I just put it like this, we begin to have a new life of a spirit-to-spirit life. A Holy Spirit to our spirit within life. That you could argue that there was a deadness in our soul and now all we did was we just, as we lived our life and everything came into us and filled our soul, there was a response of this deadness and we would just respond oftentimes with anger or unforgiveness or bitterness and we're adding to the brokenness of this broken world. Why? Because we would take in all the junk of the world and there was a deadness there and we couldn't respond with this life of Christ. Okay, But now, he begins to engage our spirit. He begins to speak to our spirit. His voice becomes predominant in our spirit because we are no longer, longer living dead inside. I know some of you like to joke, oh, I'm dead inside. If you're a Christian, you are not. You are alive with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within you. It is said, this is John 14, 17, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He brings us life and we begin to interact with the world in a different way. 
rather than simply the world, all of the world's voices and things and experiences coming in and sometimes poisoning our soul. And all we have is brokenness and deadness to give back. Now we begin to live with this new source of life. The Spirit of God continually pouring within us and giving life. And now, no longer, we're, we're changing the flow of the, of the negativity of life that's flowing into our soul. Now the Spirit of God is saying, that, no, that's different. You get to live my life and start to impact the world around you. And in fact, I would argue that part of our fallenness is that our hearts are broken. That our conscience, we have a violated conscience. Our mind, we have a whole bunch of stinking thinking going on in our mind. And our will is suspect because we're making bad decisions. When was the last bad decision you made? Right? And oftentimes we make bad decisions because what, the, what we want in the world, we're coveting, we're desiring, we're, we're greedy, we're materialistic, we're insecure, we want this and we want that. And, all, and the world is affecting our conscience, our heart, our mind, our will. And now God gives his spirit right within us. And it starts to teach us and affect our mind starts to address our stinking thinking, starts to fill our hearts, and that brokenness in our hearts, the Holy Spirit begins to, to heal and renew. The conscience that we, we have that's been violated because the sinful acts that we've done and the darkness that has invaded our conscience, well, he brings forgiveness and healing and gives us a clean conscience. And then he speaks to us about our will and our decisions, the things that we can control and addresses that. Friends, what I'm saying to you is that this spirit-to-spirit life is available to us. He's inviting us to live from this inside out, to seek and discern his voice in our life, his healing, his guidance. Jesus will call the spirits. John is setting up a longer discussion about who the Holy Spirit is and and how he works. And one of the phrases he, he uses is advocate or counselor. He wants to speak into our lives. And if we want to address that dim switch in us, We need to start listening and discerning his voice in our heart and soul. Yes? All right, I'm going to skip to it so we don't run out of time. But listen to this, uh, Romans 8, 5. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughterhood. In other words, the spirit you received 
will teach you who you truly are in Christ. He will teach you and talk to you. Now listen to this. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. He will teach you about your personal relationship with God. He will teach you about how much he loves you. That he sees you as his beloved. And I love the way Paul writes this. The Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Are you paying attention to the testimony of the Spirit that's happening right now in your soul? Friends, as you pay attention to the testimony of the Spirit, He will teach you who you truly are. He will teach you about the vibrancy of this relationship with God. He will testify about all things Jesus said. He'll teach you. The spirit to spirit life is what Jesus was inviting Nicodemus to, what Jesus in this moment right now is inviting us to. And he's also inviting us to something that I found a little bit more challenging to articulate, so we're going to see how it goes. A new realm or a new reality in which we live In the here and now, look at verse 5 again. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. He's talking about entrance into the Spirit. What he's saying is, I, I would say it like this, is that when we're born again, the Spirit enters us or the kingdom of God enters us and we enter the kingdom. Does that make sense? We have the kingdom and experience the kingdom within, and we enter a new reality, a new realm, a new nation, a new uh, territory, if you will, that we begin, not only we've, this, the kingdom has entered us, but we wade deeper into the kingdom of God. That we've gone from one reality to another. From one territory or realm to another. John 5 says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. Remember that word has. Has right now, in the present, eternal life, and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. He's entered, whoever believes, he or she enters a new reality because they've crossed over from death and condemnation to new life, from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come. It's already started. 
This new reality is already present and available right now, has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. How do the dead hear the voice of God? It's the Spirit of God speaking to those of us who are dead in our souls and saying, come, and he beckons us. And when we receive, we move from death to life. All right. Part of the reason I think it's so important that we focus on on this is that Nicodemus was waiting for the kingdom of God. Many of us, many of you, are waiting for the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is communicating to Nicodemus is it's here already. You're called to live a different life, a different reality, a different realm in the here and now. Stop living the old way and embrace and live the new way. It's not here in full. When Jesus comes back a second time, it will be fully consummated. But there's this principle, students in Days of the Kingdom, the phrase that you should know that we're talking about right here is the already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. The kingdom of God has started. So stop living your old life with the all, all old rules and the old ways. Throw that out and embrace the kingdom anew. Jesus is saying that this reality has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Stop living like citizens of the old nation and embrace this new life. Yes? Let me try and put it this way. Now, when I went to Lebanon and visited Pastor Gabby out there, I had to recognize kind of new customs, new flow of life, New realities, new traffic laws. Right? Pastor Gabby asked me to follow him in a car, which was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Driving into Beirut, I had to follow. You know when I lost him? I lost him when there were five different entryways into one lane. And so I'm like, oh, I can't, what, there's this, I don't know if there are traffic laws, but no one knows them or abides by them. (laughs) I had to learn this, right? I had to live in this way. And then I see his car way up front, and I'm like, all right, I think I can work it. And I worked, and I passed, and I passed, and I drove, and I used my Chicago driving. And I got there, and it wasn't Gabby, it was someone else (laughs) in a different car. I was lost in Beirut. Right? This, this reality was there. Boy, did I look like a foreigner. I was wide-eyed. I pulled up, and I'm like, Gabby, what, what are you doing to me? Help! <laughs> See, I had to learn those rules and follow all of those things. And then when I came back to the United States, 
I could have driven like I learned to in Beirut, right? In fact, maybe Kendra would argue that I do drive like that to a certain degree, but, but I, I need to follow the rules here in the United States. And what, what Jesus is articulating when he says this new creation has begun is that you now have a new citizenship. It is in the kingdom of heaven. And it's those laws and those ways that he's calling you and I to live in the here and now. I was thinking of the Advent candle. I, I told maybe some of you might have noticed on Christmas Eve, but I, I said, could we, could we hold the Advent candle and it's what it represents? It represents Christ first and foremost, but it represents hope and love and peace. Uh, what's the fourth one? Joy. joy. Hope, peace, love, and joy. Do you know the kingdom of God, this new citizenship? It's filled with the hope of Christ. It's filled with the love of Christ, the joy of Christ, and the peace of Christ. And we're we're driving like we used to. We're, We're driving like citizens of the United States. And we're living our lives in the old way. And we're not embracing the new He's saying the kingdom of God is right here. Don't live your life waiting for a passionate life in Christ. Do it right now. Put that dim switch up for him. Here's the final thing. That not only uh, look at verse, look at verse Three, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. He is wanting to give us a a new vision, a new understanding. He's wanting to, to touch our eyes with a new understanding. John 3.36 is going to say this later in the chapter. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. (laughs) How do you not see life? He's talking about life in God. That he wants to, to give you this new vision and new perspective. For God's wrath remains on, he, on them. They stand condemned. They won't see it or get it. The Apostle Paul was talking about this spiritual understanding. And he says this, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's what I heard when I came back from uh, college. I think it was after my, my sophomore year and I had led a Bible study and it was so cool I want to try and lead it with my my folks and my dad was a very intelligent individual so was my brother and and so we started this family Bible study and they would give really good answers but then my mom would share 
And man, the, the experience that she spoke from, from this intimacy, place of intimacy with the Spirit, and her understanding of the, the dynamics of the kingdom of God. She wouldn't have used the phrase kingdom of God, but her understanding, we were, boy, we, we should always let her share last, right? We, we should throw out our stuff and then get to her insight, right? But, but God was working with this beautiful perspective of life in God. I was praying with an individual this past week who's been diagnosed with cancer and the cancer has come back. And yet, from his mouth was not words of defeat. From his mouth were not words of, of fear or angst or bitterness. From his mouth were words of, of hope and trust and love. Just to interact with him ministered to me. Right? He, he saw every aspect of life, even by a, a worldly perspective, a, a diagnosis that's fatal. He saw everything through this vision of the kingdom of God and what God is doing. Boy, his dimmer switch is pretty darn high. Pretty darn high. And just as Jesus was inviting Nicodemus to not only be born again, but to live this categorically different life, he's inviting you and me to, to see the kingdom, to enter the kingdom. To, to hear the voice of the Spirit and live a life. Let go of the old life and the old perspectives and the old way of seeing things and embrace the new. The new is here. Yes, there's a measure of not yet, but there is a measure of already in the kingdom. And as we embrace that and as we live that, he pushes the dimmer switch up. Just a little bit more. Would you pray with me? So I would believe, friends, that um, this, this work of God in our soul that, that we can't manufacture on our own, it, it's got to be the Spirit of God in our lives. And so we pray and we ask. And I would just ask you, what is the, what's, the, what's the word and the perspective that's, that's stuck in your soul, that's stuck in your mind that you want to hear and you want to pray? Maybe it's that spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection. You, you, you just can't hear his voice and you're feeling dull right now. Would you take some time to say, Lord, would you... Teach me to hear your voice. Maybe it's this already aspect of the kingdom of God. That you're living based on your own old life. And you're not living in the love, in the peace, 
in the joy, in the hope of God. Or maybe it's your vision, your perspective. You're still wrestling with the, these old ways of thinking. Just need to say, Lord, teach me, disciple me, transform my mind, my heart, my will. Give me a clean conscience. Just take a few moments between you and the Lord.